Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring potholes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lina. And today we're covering Lucifer, Season 2, Episode 10, Quid Pro Ho. Which is, of course, a wonderful Latin reference that I'm gonna go into in a moment. But first, what is this episode actually about? The trial for Perry, who is the guy who killed Chloe's dad, serves as stage for mom trying to prove Chloe is not worthy of Lucifer. Lucifer, in turn, is trying to prove Chloe is worthy, and Chloe is actually proving she's more than worthy, while Mace kicks ass, then gets a bit more dark side, and Ames gives us the reveal of the season. At least as far as we know. (laughs) It is a big reveal, though. It is a big reveal. Not surprising, by the way, the German title is not quid pro ho. The German title is I Don't Lie. In fairness, that actually works really well with Obsession of the Week on my side, because my Obsession of the Week is the truth. My obsession is Chloe. Huh. Yeah, that's fair enough. Because mom is obsessed with Chloe. Lucifer is obsessed with Chloe. Dad is obsessed with Chloe. Is Chloe obsessed with Chloe, though? A bit. At least she's having issues with herself. The only person not obsessed with Chloe is Linda. Yeah, it's fair enough. I feel like everybody is on the search for certain truth. Truth is also very accurate. We nailed it. Wow. This time you went meta and I went direct. Of course, this episode is once again co-written by Ildi herself. The other author is Julie Fontana, Fontana, who is usually a story editor and has her very first writing credit here, but she will return in the future. Dun dun dun. Should I be scared? I won't tell what other episodes she's writing in the future, but I will of course let you know when she comes up again. Speaking of again, we once more have Lucifer saying the official episode title, putting him 9 out of 10, and the title he says is a play on the Latin phrase quid pro quo, which literally means something for something. An English synonym would be One hand washes the other. And also interesting to know, this episode has an IMDb rating of a 9.2. Same as the season 1 finale. So far there is no episode with a higher rating than this. Which I found surprising because while I like this episode, it is not in my top 3. Yeah, it's nice, it's good, but I don't feel it's exceptional in my book. Yeah, that's very accurate. (laughs) Though note-taking was hard because it has an extremely good flow in the episode. Yeah, the structure of this episode and the way it's set up is very, very good. I do have a cut scene at certain stage. It was a bit of a uh, hit or miss where to put it. I had to because it sometimes says the number of the scene that it was supposed to be. So I had to check out that and like count the scenes and stuff, which I usually don't do. But I kind of just slumped it there in the middle, so... (laughs) You're just gonna cut in with the cut scene. Yeah. See what I did there? You can't see me, listeners, but I am smiling. I mean, I'm not laughing on the floor. I can still see her. She's still sitting. (laughs) Okay. Previously on Lucifer... Chloe Z died back in the day and she has some unresolved issues because of that. The Warren did it. Boris is a lie detector. Lucy meets Chloe's mum. Lucy's mum is diving into Charlotte's employment and into Dan, while Mace and Ames see them. Lucy expresses his love for humanity and asks Chloe out for dinner, doesn't show up and mum is about to blow Chloe up. With a bomb beneath her car. Yes, so this is directly the scene that we left off with in the last episode. Yeah, which is something that I'm really into when shows do that. When you have this ginormous cliffhanger and then the next episode is literally half a second after the fact. So very much there for it. Wasn't as much there for Chloe forgetting her keys. That seemed like an extreme un-Chloe move. She doesn't strike me as distracted or ditzy or she drops her keys or forgot her keys or something and that is what turns her around. Question and follow-up question. I was under the impression that there was a valet and she left her keys with a valet and just forgot because she was distracted by Lucifer not showing up. That was my impression of the scene. I thought that she forgot her keys in the restaurant and someone came out after her. That's right. Valet parking is a thing in America. Uh Uh-huh. Because then it would make sense that he brings the car around for her. But he didn't bring the car. He did. He was turning around the car for her and she was standing there when Ames and mom have the conversation. However, if you feel like you want to rewatch it, because I now feel like I want to rewatch the scene to make sure what happens there. But the scene. The scene. 
we see Ames trying to be a good person and, in my opinion, failing shamelessly at it. Because he's like, oh, mom, you can't do that. Lucy's gonna hate you if you do it. Instead of in any shape or form being like, mom, are you fucking crazy? Don't kill humans. In fairness, I don't think that that would work on mom. I feel like the angle that Ames provides, as in Lucifer's gonna hate you if you're gonna do something like that and he will find out who did this, is bound to be more effective. On her. Probably still, he struck me as very mama's boy as he's been the last few episodes. So For sure. I think he proves this to us later in the episode again. But surprisingly, I don't think he's wrong. I'm pretty sure that if Lucifer would have found out that mom did this, there would have been some carnage. Oh yeah, and that would have made it unresolvable between the two of them. Mom, of course, is still literally incapable of understanding the importance of Chloe to Lucifer, which just goes to show she really doesn't understand her son. I do have one question about this moment, and that is mother is clearly strong and now she shows it to Amenadil, but I wonder why doesn't she just kill Chloe with her bare hands then? Because why just come up with this complicated bomb solution when she can just grab her and like throw her off a roof or something? Because so far she has not been very open about her being way stronger than she is. Yeah, but she reveals this immediately to Emanadil in that situation. But also if she would have done this to Chloe, Chloe would be dead. So there will be nobody to say, hey, she's actually super strong. So that just striked me as odd. Mom on one hand is kind of secretive in her being otherworldly. She's not like Lucifer or Mace who don't hold back their otherworldliness. She's more like Ames, not putting it out there. My point is that nobody would know if Chloe would be dead. Someone might see it. She has been so sneaky. She would have to catch Chloe in a in a restroom like the lawyer of the bomb dude in the other episode. Oh yeah, that's another moment where she revealed her powers, I guess. I don't know. It just strikes me as odd. I am ready to let it go with this explanation. It doesn't make me happy, but... Ugh. Well, what about mom does make us happy these days? Pretty much nothing. And of course, with the end of scene one, we pretty much get our theme of the episode, make Lucy want to leave Chloe behind, which is the entire motivation for mom in this episode. And then we go over into therapy yay hi linda she is such a fucking gossip i love her so much she has dressed it up as obviously she needs to know how it went because you know it's part of therapy but also you can see that she just really wants to know because she just wants to be happy for them it just feels like i really want to know that it went well just tell me it went well please I really enjoyed that Lucy is trying so hard to not state the fact that he stood Chloe up and Linda catches up on it and it's just, oh, Lucy, Lucy. Also, lying to yourself is still lying, Lucy. I know it's the one type of lie that Lucy has been done repeatedly, but especially in this scene. It is so obvious that he is knowingly lying to himself. Is he though? Because I feel like denial is very often something that we don't want to... We don't want to admit something to ourselves. But we still know. Do we though? I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe he knows that he's lying to himself. I like that Linda calls it out though. It reminded me how much upset I got about the fact that Lucifer stood Chloe up because that was a shitty move from him. I was so angry at that. But I always enjoy when Linda says what I'm thinking. Yes, same. <laughs> me with my armchair psychology. Stroking your goatee. Yes, my virtual goatee <laughs> is very, very well stroked this episode, I must say. <laughs> but other than that, I don't really have much on the therapy scene. Yeah, nothing else really. It just reminded me of the feelings and of the debate, the lengthy debate we had on this topic last episode. It's very fun. So we can move on to Chloe's apartment where's... Mama Decker in the house. 
Mama Decker in the house and we get a song. The first song of the episode, actually. Which is kind of late. Usually we open with a song. It's quite late, but because we have started with follow-up scene, we had the intense music at the beginning and then now we finally get the opportunity to put in an actual song, which is called Us and Them. And it is by Truthsayer. What a band name for this show. Yes, indeed it is. And the name of it is very good as well. It's very much fitting. But also this scene gives us the second theme of this episode, which is, is Lucifer selfish or not? Yes, he is. Is he though? (laughs) Well, mm, that's a very good question. Chloe calls Lucy selfish and he denies being selfish. And this comes up again and again. Because through the entire episode, you have on the one hand mom trying to prove that Chloe isn't worthy by setting it all up that in the end she could do the immoral thing and agree with mom's deal. And on the other hand, we have Lucifer being selfish and in his own motivations, but in the very end, being very genuine about his appreciation and high opinion of Chloe. Then at the very end, we have Dan being the actual selfless one and taking the heart part onto himself, which I have lots of thoughts on. I think that we need to talk about Dan's motivations a little bit later. But yeah, that's really well put. I think that Lucifer... And this is, we've talked about this numerous times. Lucifer presents a certain face to the people and the outside. And then that's one persona that he uses as a shield. And he is a completely different soul and a person on the inside. And the moments where we get a little sneak peek in there to the real person that he is, the real character that he has. That makes it interesting and that makes me want to watch more. And I think that we have lots of these little moments this episode and this is one of the reasons why I actually like it. Also, the more he interacts with Chloe and the closer he gets with Chloe, the less selfish he definitely becomes. If you compare today's Lucifer with season one beginning Lucifer, he is becoming less and less and less selfish. 100%. But he's also very, very cute when he tries to pretend that he knows what that day is about. It's so adorable. Like, I know. And Chloe knows that he has no idea. Also, there is a reference. I'm pretty sure that you caught it, but I didn't really dive deep into it because I feel like you would. She says, today is the day when we put on a trial the man that killed my father or something like that and as he repeats after her he says the man who killed my father and then he steps is like what wait Nietzsche yeah which is it's so bad I was just wondering if you called that and if you have dive into a meaning of that because I was not aware that Nietzsche was the one who killed God no Nietzsche Nietzsche wrote a shit ton of stuff and Nietzsche is a highly problematic character who had a deep deep seated misogyny issue in him and there are statements from Nietzsche especially in I have no idea how to pronounce the name in English uh, Zarathustra where you basically have when you go to the woman don't forget the whip so Nietzsche in itself is highly problematic but basically Nietzsche in his writing has one thing where he's like God is dead and basically us amazing brains like he considered himself killed him and so Nietzsche is who killed God. Interesting. I'm not gonna say anything to support Nietzsche's thoughts but I appreciate this show educating me and you educating me on this because I did not know that. Let's put it this way if you ever spend any amount of time in the goth scene didn't you kind of had mandatory reading of Nietzsche? I wish I could get my time back. <laughs> <laughs> At least now you're an educated woman, so... Yeah, I could have spent that time reading different philosophers. But I have no segue from this moment. We then go on over to the precinct. And then breaks my fucking heart because he's so happy. And us knowing what we know, we know that it's gonna get bad, that it's gonna fuck up, that it's gonna blow up in his face, that it's so sad to see him so genuinely happy. And when he talks about her, she's goddess-like. It's like, oh, Dan. You have no idea. And then he gets the package and he's so excited. And then he opens it and it's a fucking head and Ella goes, oh, wish I could say it was my first. 
And I'm just sitting there. Tell me more about Ella. Ella in this entire scene is gold. Like the way she interrogates Dan and the way she can tell everything that's happening just from looking at him. I think that she is one of the best detectives in that department, even though she's not an actual detective. I think that she chose her job very well. Let's put it that way. And I want to know how she chose it and all her backstory. And can I finally have my fucking Ella episode? It's gonna happen. It must. It Also, obviously, a head in a box always will summon the movie 7. What's in a box? I was literally just gonna do the same expression. This movie has ruined heads in boxes. And sorry if we just spoilered the movie for you because you haven't seen it. Oh, you mean the film that came out 20 years ago? I think we're fine. (laughs) But that's all I have here. I really, really enjoyed Ella, as I said. And the moment where she just sees the plastic-filled box so he doesn't leak out. And she pretty much already has one of the gloves on because she's that quick. She's like, ooh, I wish I could say that was my first. And already, like, gloved up, taking it out. It's like, yes, I love you queen she's quickly rising on my list as well yeah but we can move on to the courts now because all the awesomeness is gonna come back and i will talk about her more it's probably just gonna be compliments but we can go to the court and i have to say at this moment at the beginning of this scene where Penelope and lucy are sitting there and he starts making all those jokes about the butt stuff it was just like i mean usually i really enjoy his jokes but i'm not sure if it's done on purpose because he is so uncomfortable with the situation and the whole him standing up Chloe and whatever has put him in this weird state of mind where it just doesn't work. That's how I read it that he's so out of his element because this unsureness is very new to him. So that actually explains it but I did make a note of his jokes not quite landing really. I'm pretty sure we were supposed to feel as awkward as he is feeling. They succeeded with that in my opinion. Good writing. Speaking of good writing, they also did good casting. And we remember the last time we saw Mr. Perry was during the episode I so, so, so much disliked. And so, of course, I'm still harboring very negative feelings towards this character. I think we all do. (laughs) More than... Yeah, I know what you mean, though. And then he's sitting there and he has this fucking smug look on his face. And you know something is up. You know some shit is gonna happen. And then we have this amazing entrance where you only see those feet and then you see more of the legs that you have for walk 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 with the sound and there is a song playing with it and the name of the song is the queen is back which is extremely fitting and then the camera pans up and we see that it's mom and lucifer's fucking face and then title card which is the fucking perfect moment it's ridiculously well done obviously Trisha Helfer is on her top acting game and she looks amazing and the song The Queen is Back by Francesca Hall by the way YouTube only song by the way which sucks there's a few of them this episode however she is absolutely on point and then when we come back from the title card we have this whole our key witness is gone he has been murdered so dismissal whatever postponement and the way she plays this I did not realize that this was an act. I was just so much into like, that's weird. I thought that she was very competent. And then she just smacks him down. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this is gonna be great. Mom kept me on edge throughout all the trial scenes. Because you know from second one, when we see her show up, that she has something planned. And it keeps on and on and on that you think, ah, now this is gonna be what her play is gonna be. And then it's not. And it goes on. And it's, damn woman, what? We've seen this before. I was still kept guessing the entire time. Yeah, I didn't remember how it turned out in the end. So I was like, what the fuck? And then, of course, we go to the lunch break during the trial. And Lucy is fuming. He's so angry with her. She remains so blind to what she is saying and what she's causing and the effect she's having. I understand that she's a goddess, that she's not human, and that she is even further removed from humanity than the angels. 
But still it's like, come on, you're highly intelligent. There has to be some level on which you can at least rationally connect the dots and see what you're saying and what you're doing. So on this one side, she kept me up extremely tightly wound. She says, I promise I won't be hurting anyone. And if she isn't the one hurting anyone, then she's not lying. So there's gonna be something. And I think at that point, I assumed that Perry was gonna be the one who was gonna do something at some point. So I was very tense. One more thing that got me quite a lot in this scene. This keeps coming back to... I feel like everybody keeps telling Lucifer how he's supposed to feel or how he is feeling towards Chloe. And then everybody tells tells Chloe what, how she feels about Lucifer. It feels like they're cornering him by telling him, but you know, when I look at you guys, you feel this way about about her. Anybody can see that or whatever. It just feels like they are cornering him and he's this little caged animal. And I just felt that at certain stage that he's gonna just explode all over the place and fuck something up. I don't know. I personally have issues with authorities and with people telling <laughs> how to feel and what to do and stuff like that. It's pretty much the meme with, hmm, I should do the thing. Voice from somewhere else, you really should do the thing. Well, now I'm not doing the thing. Yeah, exactly. So this whole episode, especially so far, we've had Linda telling Lucifer. We've had now Mother is telling him that, oh, he cares about her too much and whatever. So it just feels like they're putting a lot of pressure on Lucifer now. And I am not down with it. It just makes me very upset. And also Lucy doesn't deal well with pressure in general. I feel him so much. This is gonna escalate at some point. Also, after this scene, I just said... Lucifer, what the fuck are you doing? Mother, what the fuck are you doing? Ugh. Pretty much is my note on this. Also, isn't it in this scene that Chloe says to him, please tell me that this will not impact the case in any way and yada yada. Oh, this is just setting up so much hurt further down the line. I mean, he doesn't lie to her. She asks him if he slept with her and he didn't. So, you know. Of course, but still, he's still keeping things from her. We cut over to the precinct and... Then he pretty much literally stumbles when Chloe says Charlotte's name. And as you said, Ella keeps slaying and saving because she's just so competent. My one note was that Chloe should not be touching the evidence. She should not go anywhere near the evidence because she is a family member. She has no place in being there. Potentially, her touching the evidence could fuck up the entire trial for her. I don't understand why she's doing it. I mean, I get it on an emotional level, but... And why they let her? Because last time in episode 7, when we had the whole backstory with the father and yada yada, Dan very much made her stay out of this and he was very professional about it. And now we have him so flustered with the mention of Charlotte's name that he is not doing his part keeping Chloe out of it. There is so much emotion in the scene flying around and it's the guilt that Dumps feels and it's the excitement that he feels at the beginning because he's still high on the sex. The hopelessness that Chloe feels at that moment and the urge to trying to find something to save the case and Ella being a complete star noticing everything that's happening and coming to a rescue. It's just a really well acted scene. And of course we stay very true in character for everyone because there is no way Dan has the capacity to come clean in this moment. Which doesn't change the fact that I still wished he had come clean. Yes, he should have. But I kind of like that he doesn't because the way it's written and the way how obviously we're going to talk about this, but like Chloe shifts the plane to Lucifer and so on and so forth. I think it plays itself out really well and it gives us the opportunity to see the Dan and Mace cooperation and stuff. And it's just, it's a very well written episode. We go back to trial and we get our title drop in this scene. Also, we get another song that is YouTube only, which is called Stop Dragging Me Down <laughs> by the Obscurities. And then Lucifer is called onto the witness stand. 
I'm cringing from the moment he gets called. I worry so much. I know that everyone is gonna love Lucifer, but still, I'm like, okay, this is gonna go so wrong. This is gonna go so, so wrong. And then he says, the devil's in the details. Ha ha. We should have watched this episode ages ago then. Like I said, I'm just so worried this entire scene. Same. Okay, let's start at the beginning. When he does the swear, he says, so help me dad. I seriously doubt that would fly in an actual court. Oh, there's so many issues happening during the trial. But, you know, let's just brush this off to the fact that Lucifer is using his powers to dazzle everybody and it works but I was genuinely the entire time since the moment he walks up to the lawyer since the moment he walks up to the state attorney in the previous scene I got super worried that he's gonna fuck it up and I was shooketh (laughs) by the end of this scene everybody is applauding and Charlotte didn't have any questions no 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 that's in the next trial scene There is the applause at the end of it. That's how it ends. This scene gives us the illusion that, oh my, maybe it goes well, but Charlotte hasn't had her turn. Yes. But she doesn't seem very happy. No, she seems very calm to me. Oh, really? Yeah, she knew this was gonna happen. And then we cut over to the butcher and it's just... Praising Ella, part two. Three, actually. I was about to say. Ella be praised, part three. She's fucking hilarious. She's making fun of Dan. I'm living for this. Ella asks Dan, it's not like you told her anything, is it? You didn't discuss the case. And Dan is like, well, I'm not sure because I had a lot of mescal cocktails. And that kind of pisses me off because... He knows that she's a lawyer. He should not be discussing anything. I don't know. I'm just very sad that he didn't keep his guard up. But on the other hand, why should he assume that he can't talk about his past relationship? And as we learn in the end, he didn't tell mom anything incriminating. She went through his phone. Yeah, he didn't. But he didn't remember is my point. In general, you should not drink so much that you don't remember because that's not healthy. Also, we get our next lead with this scene with the cigar on the throat. Ominous. Ominous. Which gives us such an amazing scene later. And then we go back into trial and the judge is so into Lucy, which gave me this tiny, tiny hope. Okay, if the judge and all the jury people are so into Lucifer, maybe this is actually gonna be for our advantage. And Lucifer just, he keeps on talking. He does this like a character assessment of Chloe and I found this beautiful. No, it was so cringy. Was it really? I found it really nice. Obviously, it would be better if they talked in actual privacy, but I understand why they have issues expressing their emotions and I can absolutely get behind that feeling. Because both of them have so many issues in general? Yeah, you know, people have issues expressing them People are people. Exactly. Except for Lucifer, he's not really people. And then, of course, we have the whole your witness, uh, no questions at this point. And I'm just like, mom is plotting. I know it and I'm nervous. I was all over like, oh, it's gonna bite him in the arse. It's gonna do it like in seconds of time. And then the scene ends and it's like, wait a minute, this actually finished pretty what? What just happened? So yeah, I was again super confused about what the fuck is mother planning. And then we go to one of my favorite scenes in this episode when Mace confronts Ames and he's trying to lie to her and she plays him so well and I love it. And the fact that Mace declared herself protector of Chloe just gives me fucking life because the blood pact stands. Also, she then blows up a car with the tire rolling by. And I was like, whose car was that? Since when does Ames have a car? Why does Ames know how to drive? Because he doesn't have wings anymore. Of course, and later on it gets confirmed that it was his car. But also, they had sex in a car. Presumably his car. I thought it was her car, but you're probably right. I feel like it looked way too boring for it to be Maze's car. It was a very average car. True. So that scene just, it had everything. It made me very, very happy. But we go right back to trial and the tension keeps being high, 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 high because now we have Dan on the stand. And we know they have slept together and that he talked to her. And again, she goes, 
No questions for this witness. And I'm like, what is happening? Is she trying to tank the guy or what? And then she recalls Lucifer. And I was like, is that even a thing? Does it work that way? There's a YouTube channel called Legal Eagle, where an actual American lawyer analyzes TV shows and movies, how legally accurate they're... Haven't talked about that in episode 8? Probably. And I really, really hope that at some point Legal Eagle gets to cover this. Although I am pretty sure that you are allowed as a defense you have a little bit more flexible type of a thing because she does call him out as a witness before he was presented as the offense witness and now she is calling him as a defense witness so it's like a different I don't know like I don't 100% know how it works but like judging from what I've seen in my years of television yeah but television usually is highly inaccurate so fair enough so she calls him and she knows she's gonna play the whole not lying thing and so we are fucked because Lucy does not lie. I was tiny bit worried at that very moment that he would lie because this would be for Chloe. I would have been very upset if he did. Yes, me too. It would go against his character and the fact that they held it up even though Chloe was in stake, I really, really appreciated that. It is such an integral part of his personality. And then mom keeps on going and going and going and because he doesn't lie, he gives her all the munition that she needs to freaking implicate Chloe as the potential suspect. And it still broke my heart a bit that not even for Chloe is he willing to lie. And this scene, of course, is the one where we get the German title drop. I think that the DA or whatever you call these guys, he is doing a very solid job. He is doing really well with the amount of evidence that he has available. But Charlotte is just better. One, she she understands everything. She knows exactly what to do. And she has this one piece of information that like nobody else, I very much seriously doubt that the district attorney would have access to this information. This is why they written into the report that Dan was there first, because they were afraid of this is exactly the situation that would happen and it happened. The DA did not know. Nobody knew except Lucifer, Chloe and Dan. Exactly. So if we move outside of the courthouse again, I was slightly disappointed with Chloe that she is immediately jumping to a conclusion that Lucifer was the one who leaked the information. However, it does make sense because she is hurt and she is mistrustful towards him because of what happened merely a few days before. Yeah, because he fucking stood her up. Exactly. And that's something that is not okay. And it leaves scars, people. Don't do it. Yeah. At least cancel. Yes. At least type. But I felt so bad for Dan when he confronts mom. She simply goes like, yeah, I went through your phone. And it's like, seriously, fuck you, mom. He didn't tell her a single thing. She totally violated his privacy. And also, dude, why don't you have a lock on your phone? It feels like Americans on television don't do that. I've seen people in real life not doing it and I don't understand it. People, when you have a fucking phone, make sure you have a pin on it. Yeah, but also the whole conversation that they have is very Charlotte, very mom-like. And like the worst part of this is that he doesn't even stand up to her because he is just so shocked. And I was so angry because I know she doesn't care, but because of her, now a fucking murderer will walk. She literally makes everyone around her miserable. So I can't wait for her to not be here. I don't care what they do with her, but (laughs) just go away. So I'm going to cut in with the (laughs) cutscene. This is a scene that could go pretty much anywhere around this section of the episode. Doesn't really depend on anything. It's a scene between Chloe, Penelope and Trixie. I know. They fucking cut Trixie. I was so upset when I was watching this. They are in the apartment and they are having a conversation. Chloe talks to her about the trial and Penelope is comparing her own relationship with John to Lucifer and Chloe's relationship where she says, well, I was the fun one and he was the responsible one and she compares herself to Lucifer. (laughs) Of course she does. Chloe just says, oh no, but I am fun. I don't know whatever you talk about and Trixie just chimes in says like yeah well you're way more fun since you met Lucifer oh poor Chloe burn yes indeed (laughs) I love that 
Penelope starts talking about Lucifer's testimony and how beautiful it was. And they start talking a little bit more about Chloe's dad. And she mentions that her dad was an optimist because when back in the day, she was told that she can't get pregnant and John convinced her to keep trying over and over again. And their little miracle, Chloe, happened. And it was a bit of a more setting up for the final reveal of the episode. So it makes sense it got cut because we didn't want to take away from the massive fucking mind-blowing thing that's happening in the last scene. Yeah, makes sense. But it's a really nice conversation and it has Trixie in it. So boo that they cut it. Yes! How dare! We then go and see Ames in therapy with Linda. And just the fact that he sits there with... With the wheel! Oh my god, it's so funny! (laughs) I love that he kept the fucking wheel. Sits on the couch and you have the camera zooming out so we actually see that he's sitting at Linda's couch. And of course, Linda is the best and actually manages to have Abe's realize what he's doing. I have a quote, actually. You were dealing with matters of great importance. So important, you felt justified to act any way you see fit. And this, this is a definition of Eminent Deal so far. Yes. That's why I wrote it down. That was like a butt on a pot. That's not a saying in English, but I said it. One line exactly defining who and what Ames is. And she also gives him the best advice by saying, apologize your ass off. Nothing else is gonna work. We move on to the penthouse. And Maze keeps on being on Chloe's side and I'm still there for it. Dan shows up and... Just the fact that Mace knows and is so not subtle about it. I'm living for this. The entire next scene as well. Everything she does. And then we form the new team we haven't had before with Lucifer, Mace and Dan. Yay! The whole scene starts with Lucifer sulking in his own fucking pity in the penthouse. And it's very upsetting to see him like that because you'd think that he would fight for his innocence because he didn't do anything and we know that he didn't do anything and he is trying to save the case but at the same time come on you did this this is your fault that she's pissed at you and it has nothing to do with your testimony so whatever either way mace shows up and saves the day i don't think that he is aware how much his statements affected his mom i do not think that he is aware of that but nevertheless it is true (laughs) Yes, the whole family has so many issues. It's incredible. And as you already said, the whole situation between Mace realizing within half a second what happened between Dan and Charlotte. She knows before. She saw them. Yes, she saw them sleeping together. But the fact that she realizes within like half a second after Lucifer says, oh, somebody leaked the information. I just really want to know who. And her immediately realizing, oh yeah, it was done. And then the door opens and Dan walks in and she's like ah ha, ha, this is gonna be fun and it is because then we go on to the garden we move on to scene 16 which is time to kick ass and take names we get another song that is called devil's got a hold on me it's at some point of the scene i don't think it's straight at the beginning by el grande which is on spotify yay yay so this scene continues with all the innuendo that we already started off in the last scene sadly it doesn't continue all that long because it comes out into the open that Dan slept with mom and Lucifer loses his shit and he says you slept with my marlette and I was like what I had to pause go back reread the subtitles because I was like huh and so I checked a marlette is the French name for a type of sleeveless overgown or cape worn by women in the late 1600s or early 70s. I think that this situation was when he was trying not to say mum and halfway through mum he realized he doesn't want to say mum. Oh, it's mom and Charlotte. Yes. <laughs> that makes way more sense. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> wow. 
one little thing that I was shocked by in this moment was that Lucifer's eyes didn't flicker the red as we usually see him when he gets really mad. But other than that, this this particular moment was absolute fucking perfection. It escalates and they basically fall in the middle of the room with all the mafia people, I think. And I was like, come on, Maze, to the rescue, kick ass or something. And then obviously Lucifer speaks Mandarin, I think they speak in this scene. Yes, yes. According to the subtitles anyway. And then goes like, you speak Mandarin. And Lucy goes, I speak everything. Which I really like the fact that the angels apparently speak all the languages. Makes absolute sense to me. And then Ted being like, okay, I can't fight the guys. Of course not. Mace is going to kick his ass. And this fight scene is so brilliant because she has so much fun. But we have to admit... Kang is not holding up too badly against Mace. Yeah, he gets a few punches in. I mean, she's playing with him, obviously, but still, he's not doing so badly. He survives for a whole 30 seconds, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, of course, she gets new toys, and in the end, we have the next lead that we need. So there is a few things about this scene. For one, it feels very... Do you know the 80s... Martian arts movies it has very much that type of feel of like Bruce Lee movies and stuff like that yeah the Jackie Chan yeah when you have the feel of like everybody being sweaty but what I found fascinating is that they have a room filled with guys with fucking guns yet they have somebody on a standby in a tank top sweaty with two fucking machetes it's so funny those weren't machetes those were probably like some Chinese sword type I don't know the name but I'm pretty much under the assumption that the dude was working out and then we're like yo Kang kill this fucker I just found it hilarious that it just added to the feeling of the fights films a little bit more even but hot fucking damn Mace looks so hot in this scene. I love that outfit. I want to be able to pull off that outfit. (laughs) So good. I want those jeans, like, now. I'm gonna have to look into it while I make it as a cosplay. Because I am telling you now, I will do that eventually. We once again move back to the trial for the penultimate time. And we now have Chloe on the stand. And obviously, it's not gonna go good. And... It doesn't go good. But before we get to the moment when she's on the stand, we have the conversation Penelope and Chloe have in the halls. I really love this mum moment that Penelope does, where after she reassures her daughter that her dad would be proud of her no matter what, because this is the truth. That would have been the truth. And then that she stands up to Charlotte, who is like a 50,000 feet taller than her. And she just gives her the look. And it's like, fuck you. If you're a mother and you don't realize what you're doing, fuck you. And I think this was actually really, really good for the relationship between Penelope and Chloe. Because they did have strain between them the last time that we had Penelope there and it already started being a bit loosened up but now I think this was really really important and we get a very short intercut scene into Chinatown where they find the crime scene with the cutoff head but it doesn't really help them so basically them working the case does not yield anything which is surprising and I think this is the first time that we had that that the whole case that was being worked was utterly meaningless technically it's not because then it just gives us the merits to done doing what he does at the end in this moment I realized why because I think that at the beginning of this scene I kind of stopped for a second I was like well how do they know that he is at this address and he didn't move to a different one well they obviously do because his buddy is at that address he is dead so he has nowhere to go so that was kind of a fun realization for me and then we go back to the trial for the final time and I was still like what the fuck is mom playing I still didn't know and then she confronts Chloe and offers her a choice between wrecking Lucifer's sense of honor and that way having her father's killer see being punished and of course, Chloe, being the morally superior person, chooses to do the right thing and stays true and stays honest. Which, it's so obvious that it takes a toll on her. But this is, once again, simply an example on how 
good Chloe is as a human being. I didn't perceive this as much as, yes, obviously this is about her inner moral compass as well, but it is also to show off that in the end of the day, no matter what happens, she does trust that Lucifer is there for her. And that's why I kind of liked when uh, Lucifer went onto his apology in the previous scene, talking to Chloe through the stand. And now she is pretty much doing the same thing to him and it gives them the opportunity not to say things to each other's faces but also say it to each other's faces. It's just this really weird situation and I really liked the way that she handled it because if she wouldn't have trusted Lucifer the way that she has mentioned before, I don't think that she would believe that he is not a liar and then she would not feel compelled to defend him there. I don't know, it's just something. Thought processing. I'm not disagreeing, but still, for me, it still was very much this once again confirming... I can see where you're coming from. This is very much your take on the things, and I just did very much mine personal one. True to ourselves. <laughs> I just feel that I got once again confirmation on the high moral standard that we have for Chloe, that I'm still waiting to be muddied in some way. Well, it was. She is staying clear on course. So you admitted it the other episode. Yeah, but it was tiny, tiny. Never mind. But I still do feel for Chloe because this is an impossible situation for her. And also this would have the theoretical option to be problematic for her career and for Dan as well, because they literally filed the wrong report to cover up the fact that she was first on scene. So I'm curious if there's going to be more fallout of that in the future at some point. And of course, we have fucking Perry sitting there with the shit smug smile on his stupid face. And I was like, are we? we gonna let him get away with it because if we're gonna let him get away with it that means he has to come back in another episode and I was very much against that. I was very upset as well. I absolutely completely forgot that he does go free in this moment. I got very pissy at this stage. A few all caps sentences. Yeah in general I have a lot of caps and the note taking. Oh majority of my caps is I think coming up so... However, he goes free and now we cut to the outside of the apartment where Penelope obviously is broken up over the outcome that's the court had and she's sitting outside and crying. I feel so sorry for her. I know, it's just so painful. And Emmanuel comes in with a bouquet of flowers trying to apologize his ass off. As Linda put it, that he had to which he fucking better does it next episode because he runs out of there and he still has some apologizing to do. I think he's going to be preoccupied. I was impressed by uh, D.B. Woodside's acting because his face just morphs and it's like, yo, what the fuck? He's looking at her and he goes, I never forget a face. And I'm like, hey, well, then you obviously know her. You're a fucking angel. If you say you never forget a face and you know her, so what? And then we cut over to the penultimate scene. I was so invested in like, okay, what the fuck is happening now? This is where my cups started for a little bit. What the hell, Ames? What is happening? What is this ominous music about? Tell me! Tell me now! So, yeah, that was kind of me screaming in my notes. But we do get a cut before they fucking tell us. And we get a song by Kenneth Aaron Harris. It is, again, YouTube exclusive. And it's called One and Only. That's a third YouTube exclusive song. Yeah. It's very in much in the background. It plays inside of the club that Perry comes out of. Fucking wanted to punch him in the face. Luckily, I don't have to because Daniel takes care of business. My first note is, fucking Perry, drunk as a skunk. Come on, get stabbed. <laughs> and then Dan shows up and I'm like, no, 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 Dan, don't stab him. You've already done enough shady shit. Don't do it and then the van drives up and Perry gets snagged and then walks over into the car and sits down and you see Mace she says something and he's so not happy he is not happy however his guilt that he felt over this whole case falling apart because this is essentially it was Dan's fault he was taken advantage of well he was taken advantage of but he is a police officer he should know better this should not have happened and if it weren't for him it wouldn't have so I understand his guilt. Mostly it's mom's fault. Obviously. Also, I don't feel that this action really lessens his guilt that much. So I'm curious if this is gonna 
haunt him in the future or how we deal with this because he does not look happy he already looks very haunted with this because he literally just had a man napped to get killed although to be fair if anybody would be able to deal with that it's gonna be done because he already had the capacity of dealing with Malcolm before and he has not been the toppest of the cups. It fits that it's Dan because he's our grey moral dude. I do really want a little bit more Mace and Dan together because I feel they have a great connection. They have a great chemistry. Very much there for it. I like the trio with Lucifer. I like the two of them together interacting. 10 out of 10. Just like Lucifer with Ella, Dan and Mace together also have much potential for a lot of entertainment. So For a spin-off. Give us a spin-off, you cowards. No. <laughs> I know. And then we go into the final scene. Oh, mama. So <sighs> I pose a question. Why? Why in the fucking hell? Why in the earth, when the heavens, does Amenadiel think that he can trust mom? What did she do to deserve his trust? This is still the issue that we talked about, I think, last episode. Him being so done with dad and latching on to mom is basically his whole motivation and focus because he needs one person to tell him what to do and what is right. Dad is not an option anymore, so now he's latched on to mom. He is a follower. He is not a leader. So just the fact that he is telling mom this and not Lucifer already made me extremely angry. It also made me extremely angry that he takes quite a while to actually get going and tell us what is going on. I was like, come on! And then he He's like, bless a couple with a child. And I lost my shit. I was like, okay, so Glory is a fucking miracle child. And this obviously has to mean that this is why she's special. And probably also why Lucy gets vulnerable and everything. Explains a lot. But that also means that she is literally planned by God. Because let's not kid ourselves. This is a question of when does Lucy find this out and not if Lucy finds this out. And as soon as Lucy finds out that the one person he actually starts to develop feelings for and is vulnerable with has been literally created by God intervention. This is gonna be so, 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 so bad. What I don't understand is, what's a man deals issue with this? Why is he upset about this? Well, why is he upset that he lost his powers? You know, like, he literally says, I was a pawn, which I think that that is the main issue that he has with this. I'm surprised that it took him so long to realize that he is literally a pawn, but maybe maybe that's why I don't understand Listen, it. Listen, we have talked about this. We know that he's not the sharpest tool in the box. That is true. And for some reason I have the note, how is Chloe gonna get Ames his wings back? Oh yes, because Charlotte mentions that Chloe is the key. How? I have no fucking clue. Okay, so we agree this makes no sense. In my brain I have like blood sacrificing using Chloe to heal Amenadiel's wings or something and I'm like, ah! I have that in my head as well, and I wonder what it actually means. However, halfway through the scene, we get a version of a song that I really, really like. It's called In the Air Tonight, and the version is by Natalie Taylor. This is a song originally by Phil Collins, but this version by Natalie Taylor is way heavier and it's more intense. Is it on Spotify? It's obviously on Spotify. Yay! It's just very good and fits so well with the combination of Amenadiel and Mum on one hand plotting, using the situation that the information they just got and Lucifer and Chloe in the penthouse finally enjoying a dinner together. Before we go over to that, I know I've been complaining, not just for this episode, but also the few episodes before. Oh, what's mom's plan and yada yada. I just want to say for the record, I actually appreciate the show stringing us along for as long as they have been doing it because usually things get very clear and in the open very, very fast. So as much as I'm complaining, I'm actually really enjoying not knowing I absolutely agree, yeah. And as much as I complain about how much I hate Mother, she is a very, very good villain for this season. Yes, we love to hate her. All over the place with my emotions. And this is what we want. Exactly. So this is complaining on a very high level. We love to be hurt and to be annoyed and to be angry. And so we go over to the penthouse and Lucy and Chloe are having their quotation dinner. And they talk a bit and then they start moving towards each other and of course the scene cuts off 
before they kiss. And I'm saying it now. The next episode is gonna start in exactly this moment. And there's gonna be some kind of utterly stupid interruption. Like the phone is ringing. Or a wine is being spilled on someone's lap. Or the elevator dings. Or whatever. An explosion outside the window. I don't care. There's gonna be some stupid shit reason that they're not kissing. Yep. And I'm already angry because of that. Do you want them to kiss? Yes! So you ship them. Well, they're the official couple. I want the romance storyline to go on so we have more space for fun and interesting and painful storylines. Okay, fair enough. But isn't it very painful that the fact that they've been drawn to each other for such a long time and like we are halfway through season two and they've been drawn together since pretty much the very beginning and they keep just... Yeah, I've been complaining about this for a while. Also, it is very well done that now we have on the one hand this fucking reveal that seriously she was literally made by god for lucifer i don't know if she was made for lucifer but she was made intentionally by god by sending down a fucking angel to give a miracle child to a couple who could not conceive and now this miracle child grew up to be this morally superior human being compared to us normal mortal gray creatures should this make you happy though because it kind of explains that the fact that you'd complain about her being such a white character it explains why she is that way no because angels are douchebags and no but she's not an angel though she is a human made specifically to serve some purpose that we probably don't know but like somehow i am convinced that she was made there as ames puts it to be put in lucifer's path because lucifer is the only celestial being that she is affecting everybody else is normal with her my issue with her moral superiority since now she apparently was based basically created with divine intervention. If this means that God, by pairing the correct humans together, which he apparently has the power to do now because fuck free will, that means that he could have made humanity much more moral superior than we actually are. But where would be the fun in that? Yeah, but if it's about fun, then he's a sadistic fucking voyeur enjoying this shit show that's happening and I'm so angry. And do you remember in the beginning of the episode, I was like, oh well, as long as I don't shout, everything is gonna be great. Yeah. No, like everything you just said is absolutely correct. There's so many implications and I'm so angry and I'm actually really curious where this is gonna bring us. Yes. It's a lot of fun. However, I think that we can kind of morph this into our final thoughts, don't you? This episode has given us a lot. We get the whole Mae's awesomeness and the fact that she's working with Dan, which is power couple. Work couple. Power couple. Before you get mad at me. We get a big, big development between Lucifer's and Scovitz's relationship, which it was very well written. It was very well done. I was very much into that. And the whole sort of professing their feelings for each other on the stand. It was just really well done. Then we have the whole mother situation and by mother i mean charlotte proving to be very very smart and determined and it's upsetting but at the same time it's just very good and then Eminadiel has his own personal development where he goes from I'm actually being a pawn to I'm trying to be a good person for Mace because, you know, like I hurt her and I now realize that I hurt her going to, oh no, I was a pawn. How dare they? So it just kind of goes all over the place. But I find this episode to be quite big for him, especially on the Mace level, where he realizes that it's not okay to treat people you care about the way he treats them. So in the hindsight this episode is very very good it's quite packed with shit and i am happy about that even though at the very beginning i was a bit eh about it so yeah in the end of the day i'm very happy i pretty much agree with you i think i said before we started recording taking notes in this episode was kind of hard because this episode has such a very natural flow and it doesn't really invite to be paused at any moment but I need to pause it to take my notes so that was very very interesting. We get so much story progress while at the same time we get so much background information on several levels and still this entire episode managed to not feel rushed at all. Mom is still driving me up the wall as was very apparent by all my shouting. Ames is getting more and more and more on my nerves. 
On the other hand, I'm liking Dan more and more. I've always been more pro-Dan than you have been, but he's really starting to grow on me. Chloe is making being good seem not so bad. So while I am well aware that I have been complaining about her being so good, I'm starting to make my peace with it. And poor Lucifer is so very, very obviously starting serious feelings for her. And with the reveal, this is gonna bite him in his fucking ass. And obviously Mace and Linda are simply awesome respectively in this episode. So I cannot wait for more. So at this point, thank you guys for listening. If you want to get in touch with us to share your excitement and anger and feelings you can do so via all our various social media or you can send us an email to lucifer at taot-podcast.com our episodes can be found on spotify and itunes of course and because we are now over a halfway through season two we will have our summoning episode coming up that means that we are looking for some feedback from you guys so if you want to i'm gonna repeat that email where you want to send that feedback it's lucifer at taot minus podcast.com and if you have any questions hit us up on social media and if you want to get involved on a more serious level go to our patreon there is a lot of extra content in there that we do if you go to patreon.com slash taot podcast directly if you want to support us we highly appreciate it if you want to tell all your friends about this amazing podcast that you're listening to we will appreciate it even more because more listeners is awesome yeah so that is it from us see you next time Bye. Bye!